<laughs> hey, I like that. I like that. All right, so can I have you guys for 30 minutes? Are you with me? 30 minutes? Awesome. I know it looks like everyone turned a shade uh, red in this room. I've seen some swollen eyes. Some we've, we've had a crazy day, I think. It's been a crazy day, right? All right, I'm with you guys if you're with me. Last night we talked about the greatest question of all time. Whom say ye that I am? Who remembers what we talked about last night? Whom say ye that I am? The way you answer last night's question will determine how you'll answer tonight's question. So if last night's question was the greatest uh, question of all time, the Michael Jordan of all questions, tonight... Tonight's question is the LeBron James, the LeBron James of all questions, unarguably the second greatest basketball player of all time, right? Okay, so what is a man advantaged if he gained the whole world and he lose himself? Meaning, at the end of the day, after we've lived our entire life, what did you gain from how you lived? Did you live your life for yourself only to miss out on what God had for you in your life? You know, last night we talked about this, this concept, the illusion of truth effect. This is when you hear something over and over and over again. And as you hear it, you start to believe it to be true. And many of you in your life Tonight, you're not stable. You're not consistent. You hear the same things over and over and over. You hear these lies. The waves of life are hitting you over and over and over. And you want things to be different. You do. I, I can see it in your eyes. You want truth as I've talked to you over the course of this weekend. I see you wanting hope. I see that you want freedom. But there's too many lies. This weekend we are here with the goal to go all in on God's word, to go all in on Jesus Christ. If you can put your trust in him, we can get truth out of it. If you can put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can find truth out of it. We can live a truth-filled life. So again, just, just as last night, We'll be jumping into the same passage, and I know you guys in your, in your Bible studies, you went over the verses that we're going to be in tonight. So we see Jesus, he's still talking to his guys, and they're praying, and we're going to pick it up in verse 23. So Luke chapter 9, verse 23. You guys got your Bibles? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. All right, let's go. You guys with me? Verse 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his, his cross daily and follow me. So last night's question was, whom say that I am, left us with two options. We can acknowledge who he is, that he is the savior of the universe, or we can deny him. We can say he's just some guy, some fellow. We can believe that he's, you know, our, our parents, God, or or maybe just some historical figure. But if we do acknowledge that he is the Christ, there is only one reasonable response. There's only one reasonable response that we should come after him and follow him. 
In order to do this, we have to deny ourselves. Key retreat point number two, get this down, truth life. That is, a truth-filled life continues with self-denial. Self-denial, denial goes in your blank. The way the word deny is used here means to forget oneself, specifically to lose sight of oneself and the one, our own interest. So studies show, okay, guys, that in one day, we, use, we have 6,200 thoughts, 6,200 thoughts. Now, I'm looking around the room, I'm thinking, some of you probably have less thoughts than that. <laughs> but that's okay, it's an average, right? It's an, don't worry, it's an average. Okay, but that, so 6,200 thoughts, and 95% of those thoughts are thoughts about ourself. That's a lot. That's 5,890 thoughts just about yourself. What am I going to do? What should I wear? What are they going to think of me? We spend so much time thinking about ourself. Paul the Apostle, before he met Christ, is a good example of this. So we know Paul, he wrote half of our New Testament And uh, Paul, before he met Christ, was a Pharisee. So just like we read about last night, right? These guys who had so much pride that they couldn't see Christ. Paul was the same. He had an incredible pedigree, blameless in the law. This dude was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was born the right time. He got circumcised the right time. He did everything the way that he was supposed to. He was so zealous for the Lord that he was one of the main guys that was persecuting the church. And this man, this this fellow named Jesus. But guys, when he met Jesus, when he acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, it transformed his life. His life went from living a lie to living a truth life. He thought all of his prestige, he, he, he thought about all of the things that he had gained in his own strength. He talked about it like it was, it was dung. He said it was poop. Poop is disgusting. You guys don't agree? We get rid of poop for a reason because it's disgusting. It smells bad. It comes out of our body. Thanks for that, that mental image. Yes. It comes out of our body, right? It's disgusting. Your poop is disgusting and it's worthless. We flush it. You know your poop stinks. And Paul knew that his life before Christ stunk. And this is what Paul thought about his old life. He said, it's not my own strength, but in Christ that my life now actually matters. Everything else didn't matter. I want you guys to follow with me this this passage These couple of verses, I want you to to lock in on this. Philippians 3.12. I have it on your handouts. I want you to read along with me. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend. That word apprehend means lay a hold of. I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But the one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind, all the things that I did in my own strength, I I look 
I put those behind me and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, let me break this down for you. Paul is saying, I am now found in him. His righteousness is, is my righteousness, not mine. He's saying, I'm denying myself because of this self-denial. I can lay hold of what God has for me in my life because Jesus the Christ has laid hold of me. Can I give you guys an example that might help you wrap your heads around how freaking cool that is? Okay, who knows what um, it means to free solo? Free solo. Okay, somebody, somebody it's, not, it's not a new dating app, okay? It's, it's, not a, it's not a relationship status. What's that? Oh, you do? Okay. Let us know. That's right. Okay. Thank you. So that was good. That was good. That was, that's what I have written down. So free soloing is a form of rock climbing where you have no rope and no harness and nobody is climbing with you, which means it's crazy, right? Anything above like 15 feet of climbing without a rope it's crazy, right? So there's people that actually do this. And there's a guy, his name is Alex Honnold. There's a documentary about him who climbed. He has the world record for the highest climb. You can not really see him because of the PowerPoint or the projector, but this is what he climbed. This is called El Capitan. It's in Yosemite National Park, and it is 3,000 feet tall. Okay, do you have a question? Is that like a like, dark spot near the top? Um, probs not. <laughs> that, this is a Google photo, so I didn't... This is him. This is him, but I don't, I don't know if he's in this photo. But if he was, you wouldn't be able to see him because it's so small. It's 3,000 feet tall, guys. That is, that is higher than half of a mile. That's a, that's a long way. If you think about uh, in Kansas City, you know the skyline in Kansas City? The tallest building in downtown Kansas City is 623 feet. So it would be like stacking the tallest building in downtown Kansas City five times. And this dude climbed it without a rope. Okay, so if I don't have to, I don't know if I have to say this, but the scariest part about free free solo climbing is if you make a mistake, you're done. That's it. You are done, right? Just like Alex, just like Alex Honnold, this guy who free soloed this granite wall that's 3,000 feet tall, 2,000 years ago, Jesus free soloed for you. He came and he lived a perfect life. He did not make a mistake. He got to the top of that life by conquering sin and death. Are you guys with me? Everybody, I want your attention. I want your attention. Look at me. I want to see your eyes. He conquered sin and death. And what he did when he got to the top of that, he let down a rope for you. Do you know what that means? He let down a rope for you so that when you receive that rope and you put it around you, no matter how many times you slip and fall, 
He's laid hold of you. He's apprehended you. So you are free to lay hold of the wall again and again and again. That is good news. When we don't know Jesus as the Christ, we are climbing without a rope, which is terrifying. Because any mistake, any sin, missing the mark leads to certain death. But once we are roped in, we are safe and secure to reach out after God, what he has for us. We are no longer defined by our failures, but we are free to continue to reach towards the prize. Meaning, and this is it, guys, this is what I want you to hold on to. We no longer need to be self-focused. You know, who's gone to some of these rock climbing uh, gyms. You guys ever been there? Yeah. Okay, so I love going to those, and I don't get to go as much as I'd like to. So every time I go, you know those auto belays, you, you, you get your harness on, you clip in, you start to go up the wall, and you get to the top. And for me, every single time I get to the top, I have this, like, moment of panic, right? Because, like, my wife's watching, and I'm, like, trying to be cool. And, like, I made it to the top, but I'm, like, super scared to let go because it's, like, loose, I'm not sure if it's going to hold me. And there's a moment where I have to actually take the risk of letting go. Does anyone else feel this way? By the end of the night, I'm just like Spider-Man and off it. But the first time, I'm terrified. Even when you have a rope, but you don't trust it, you still are self-focused. You still live self-focused. Believer, Even though you're roped in, but you don't trust the Lord, you still live like you have no rope. Key retreat point number three, without truth life, that is a truth-filled life, I am bound to be self-conscious, self-conscious. If you can't trust your rope that Christ has laid hold of you, Your whole identity hinges on everything that you do, every move that you make. Each success or failure means something about you. It means that you're worthy or it means that you're worthless. Filled with pride when you're successful and filled with insecurity when you fail. Can you guys feel me on this? Being self-conscious hits us all in different ways. I bet if we went through and we were able to be honest with ourselves, we would say it hits us all in different ways. Maybe you compare yourself to other people or you're filled with insecurity that you're going to fail or maybe you're jealous of other people when they do well or, or maybe you're just discontent with your life or you get fixated on your image and everything has to be just right or maybe you get busy gaining knowledge so that you can compete in that next debate so that you can say, I'm right. Or maybe you're just preoccupied with trying to love yourself. But all you get out of it is more self-hate. You get your needs met in all kinds of broken ways. Maybe you seek them in relationships or, or drugs. Or maybe you're consumed with social media. In a room this size, at this age, at this time in our world, maybe you harm yourself in some way. Or maybe it seems less like scary than that and it's just I need the next cool thing or, 
Or even something admirable like, you know, I'm a, I am a champion for this social cause. Guys, you search for what feels good. The problem with it, the problem with this is none of it is fulfilling long term. It's a temporary solution because what happens is when it stops working for you, you get anxious. When you get anxious, you start to worry. You start thinking, wait, the thing that I do that's supposed to help me feel better about myself is not working. And so you start to get tired. You're thinking so much that you're exhausted, and that exhaustion leads to despair. And despair leads to depression and and depression. You will find yourself in defeat. You know, I told you guys um, last night uh, that, I, that I work for the Chiefs and I, I do the, the uh, Casey Wolf thing. I've been doing that for a while. And it's such a weird job. If you meet a mascot, they're usually super weird because, like, who wants to do that? It's, it's a weird job. One of the, the unique experiences of it is when I put on this, this costume, I become that character. And Casey Wolf is the life of the party. Like when I run out onto the field at Arrowhead, there's 80,000 people and they love KC Wolf. They love him. But it's so weird because I'm sitting there and thinking, none of these people actually love me. <laughs> they love KC Wolf. They don't love me. I could maybe start to feel pretty cool, but they don't even know me. One of the, the weirdest experiences is like I get, I get invited to weddings. So people get married and they have a reception and then they invite the life of the party, right? So I bust in, I'm doing my dance moves, everyone's excited. Casey Wolf, I don't know if you've ever seen him, has a smile on his face, right? He's always smiling. But to be honest, I'm not always smiling. You know, when I'm at somebody else's wedding and I'm dancing and there's lights on me and there's people hanging all over me, I just kind of want to go home. (laughs) I'm exhausted, but I got to keep it up, right? Man, sometimes I do that when I'm not in the wolf suit. Sometimes I try to be what other people need me to be. You know, and and the thing that sucks about it is if I succeed, then they don't actually accept me. They accept a version of me, and I still feel alone. And if they don't accept me, I still feel rejected. It says in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, self-focus seems to make sense. If I focus on myself, then I'll I'll get things right. But it always leads to fear. It always leads to anxiety, depression, and despair. This is why we need what it says in verse 23. It says, take up our cross and follow him. Key retreat point number four. Truth life, that is a life filled with truth, looks like self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. You know, the cross today, it, it means, it's like this cherished symbol of atonement because of what Christ did on it. And it, it represents something to us. It represents forgiveness. It represents grace. And it represents love. And, and for some people, 
it represents a really cool idea for like a lower back tattoo. Have you seen this? It's not so much like here or here. It's like right here. Have you guys seen people who get tattoos there? Okay, you're probably too young to get a tattoo, maybe at this point. But I just want to give you a word of advice. Any tattoo that you plan on getting, you need to think about what it's going to look like when gravity hits you. You might be like, man, check out this eagle. It's so sick. And then by the time you're 70, it's like a buzzard, just like a tarantula on your chest. Just That's a side note. But the cross, it represents something to us. It represents atonement. But in Jesus' day, the cross was a torturous death. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own cross to, place, to the place where they were going to be crucified. Bearing a cross meant carrying their own execution device while facing ridicule along the way. It was the most humiliating way to die. Therefore, take up your cross and follow me means being willing to surrender everything in order to follow Christ. This is what self-sacrifice means. It's a call to absolute surrender. In 1 John 2.15 it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what this is saying is loving the world and the things of this world means you, re- you rely on them to make you happy. When you love the things of this world, you are relying on it. You are leaning on it. You are hoping on it to make you happy. This doesn't mean that you can't like what you like. But if you rely on the things to make you happy, you will always, always, always lose. You will always lose. So instead, our posture needs to be Romans 12 too. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Instead of looking for the world to make you happy, let the life God has for you be what you love. With this, you can't lose. He created you. He made you. Don't you think he knows what you'll love? Because this is why, verse 24, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. This is pointing out that there is one of two ways your life can go. If we attempt to rescue ourselves through self-focus, it will destroy us. It's only a matter of time until we slip off the climbing wall. It's only a matter of time. You're not Alex Honnold. You can't do it. You need to be roped in. But instead, if we destroy this way of self-focused thinking for the sake of Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Savior of the universe, the Savior of your soul, then He will hold you up. 
In the book of Matthew, this same moment was recorded like this. It says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. If you are willing to stop thinking about yourself for, uh, for Christ, you will actually find who he created you to be. Key retreat point number five. Truth life, that is, a truth-filled life, results in self-confidence. Okay, so now before you guys start scribbling, confidence in the blank, right? Only to think about that. Because the definition of self-confidence is to trust self. So it kind of seems backwards. But I want you to think about this. If we are living a truth-filled life, the byproduct of that is your life is in Christ. Therefore, the self that you become is the self he created you to be, and you can be confident in that. You can. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Meaning, he is my mind. He is my heart. He operates as myself. This is incredible. The self that I am in Christ, I can be confident in that. Maybe you don't believe me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. No longer do I have to be self-conscious. Myself is new, and everything from the past is gone. Another dreaded moment for every mascot in case you're interested in getting into the field, is when you get caught in the rain. It sucks. Okay, so this suit's already 30 pounds, right? Probably around that. But when you get wet, it's 130 pounds. It's like a sponge, right? And you just look like a wet rat, or at least Casey Wolf does. And you can't see anything. It's awful, but guys... When I get back to my locker room and I can take that nasty, nasty, wet, sopping wolf suit off, that sinful suit, that old man, it feels righteous. <laughs> we can do that. Our passage for this weekend resolves with one closing conclusion. And this is what we need to consider for ourselves. This is the second greatest question of all time. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? What is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away. When we believe the lie, if you believe the lie that loving the world brings us happiness, 
and we live this life for ourselves, we waste our life. We waste it. Key retreat point number six, truth life. That is, a truth-filled life cannot be living for yourself. It cannot be living for self. When we live for ourself, we lose ourself. The self God created us to be. Guys, the only thing that I regret in my life is the time that I've spent living for myself. And I'm 36 years old. So that means there's been a lot of time in my life where I have lived my life for myself. Countless hours of time thinking about what other people think of me. Countless hours internally working through fear and worry. Countless hours trying to control my circumstances and other people. I told you guys last night that I, I played in a band. And I, I played in this band for six years. It was some of the most fun times in my life. We got to go everywhere in the world. We played every state in the United States, Canada, Mexico, all of Europe, Russia, Asia, Australia. It was so, it was awesome. But there was a season where I was in this band that I was incredibly down. Being in a band is, is weird. Like, you're standing in front of a bunch of people and they think things about you that's not true. Like, especially if you're in a Christian band, they have expectations of what you're supposed to be like. And I'm just a guy. And I don't even know how to be a good guy. And I had these expectations on me, so I felt all of this worry that I wasn't going to measure up. I had fears for the future. I had fears that the band was not going to be successful. All I could think about was myself. All the time I was missing out on countless opportunities to live the life God had for me right then, in the present moment, to live out the purpose God had for me in the moment. Trusting in the self that he made me to be. And guys, I remember the exact moment when I realized that I was doing it. The band that I was in, we were on tour with another band and we were sharing a bus and we were in Europe and the buses, they're called nightliners. So the bottom is like a kitchen and a hangout and the upstairs is all the bunks and on the back of the bus is another hangout and my bunk was right next to the back lounge. So I'm laying in my bunk Okay, and I am worrying. I feel anxious, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how my life is going, and I'm wondering where it's going to go, and I'm praying to God, like, God, what do you want to do with me? Like, why, what is my life turning out to be? And I could hear the other band, and they were in the lounge right behind my head, and they started to argue and fight, and I started, I was distracted from thinking about myself, and I was thinking about them, and and I was hearing them argue, and I was thinking to myself, man, these guys are not listening to themselves. They're not listening to each other. And so I kind of snuck into the lounge and started listening. And something happened. I started to, to, to engage with them, and God started using me in the conversation 
to bring reconciliation in the conflict that they were having. And these burly, tattooed guys were weeping and hugging each other. And then I went back to my bunk and started crying again about what is God going to do with my life? And he stopped me dead in my tracks and he said, that. God, what are you going to do with me in my life? He said, that. And guys, I didn't know what that meant, but in that moment, the trajectory of my life changed. The trajectory of my life changed. It went from serving myself to looking to see who I could love on, which led me to counseling. I I became a, a counselor I never thought that I could do that, so I went back to school, and my last show was in the Ukraine. I flew from the Ukraine to Frankfurt, Germany, to Atlanta, Georgia, to Kansas City, right into my counseling first class. I got plugged into MBT. I got discipled. I got put into ministry, and I got to show up for you guys this weekend. When we live our life for ourselves, we miss out on what's happening outside of ourself. How else could you be spending your time? That 95%, how else could you be spending that time? Are you believing the lie that gaining the world will bring you happiness? It won't. Are you trying to gain the whole world only to lose yourself? Are you self-conscious? Would you like to be Christ-conscious? Guys, are you living the truth-filled life? Tonight, this weekend, could be that moment for you. The same moment that I had laying in my bunk where God said, that, this weekend could be that for you. Where he changes the trajectory of your life. Where you're no longer thinking about yourself and instead, God gets to use you the way he created you to be used. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful For the people in this room, Lord, I pray that your words would not fall to the ground. Lord, have mercy on us that we would live a truth-filled life. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.